Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Rancho on AM 770 KTTH streaming live on the KTTH smartphone app. We got some more great news for criminals, courtesy of a Thurston County judge, and that is what's trending. What's trending? Back the blue. I'm a big fan of Sheriff Derek Sanders. I know a lot of you guys who live in Thurston County are as well. In fact, I know a lot of you guys who don't live in Thurston County wishing you had a sheriff like Derek Sanders. I will say Washington has quite a number of really top-tier sheriffs. Adam Fortney, Ed Troyer, for example. But Derek Sanders is out there in the field doing what he does, and when something catches his attention, he does a really good job of putting out dash cam video and body cam video. And right now... He is not happy with an incident he was involved in, an incident where an 18-year-old from Puyallup found himself released from jail without any bail. This is an 18-year-old who's accused of taking police on a high-speed chase in a stolen car filled with five other people, all teenagers. Now, originally, sheriff's deputies believed that this was a DUI, which gave them the ability to chase. It's frustrating. It's a morale hit. It's a morale hit for us. I think it's a morale hit for the community. Um, It's a morale hit for the next stolen auto theft victim. Now, here's what they say over at the Thurston County Sheriff's Department happened. And I've got video of this. I posted it on all of my social media channels, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. It's actually a really good video. And initially, because the deputies think that they're dealing with a DUI, they go ahead and chase. But it turns out they realized it was a stolen car. There was something else going on here. And they got up to, I think he said, a little over 110 miles per hour or over 100 miles per hour. And at some point, the car loses control. Kind of crashes. What would you? How would you say? Kind of goes into a little embankment. Yeah, kind of of runs off the road temporarily, but then tries to keep going, and then the officer kind of takes him out. Yeah, the officer definitely took him out. Information speed. There's about sixty in there in the oncoming lane again. Receive speed of sixty oncoming lane. And they just wrecked our radio. Receive just wrecked. I'm taking a pit. Received taking a pit. Pit, by the way. Well, it could sound like something else. You knew what he was saying. I know. That's why she echoed it to confirm that it was pit. A pit maneuver. Yes, not a pit stop. Yes, it was a pit maneuver, which in this case, it basically, uh, well, in all cases, it means, but the video will show the car, the deputy's vehicle, getting right on top, basically, of the suspect's vehicle, making it impossible for it to get out. Or near impossible for it to get out. And, well, he didn't get out with the car. He did get out of the car, though. The car was left there. And he started to run away. He fled. So did some of the others in the car, according to the sheriff's department. And he was able initially to get away because this was just one deputy handling all of these suspects, six people in all. But obviously, they knew the guy was going to be... Close to the accident, 
close to where he fled. And so a whole bunch of other police and sheriff's deputies got there. They brought a canine unit and they were able to ultimately track down the people who fled. Clear to County One. County One. I got a honey bucket that's locked here. Locked honey bucket. And by the way, it's he needed to go to the bathroom really bad. That was the only reason they stopped at the honey bucket. I'm kidding. You're inside there. Come out now with your hands up. Got a canine unit. Hands, hands, go ten. Down, down, down. We need more units. We got three people inside a honey bucket. Now I, this is why I can never be a cop. I would have pushed it over. <laughs> I would have just pushed it over. If anyone's in here, or use that as the threat. If anyone's in here, just know we're pushing this thing over. Okay, you, you could do with that threat what you will. You can pretend like you're not in there. But we're going to hear and smell very quickly that you are in there. It's up, it's up to you. I'm giving you to the count of five. I, I just want to know what was going on inside of that honey bucket. You got three dudes and they know the cops are after them. And, and their best thought was, let's hide in the honey bucket. It's like I just want to know bad, the thought process. It is not a bad idea. What did them in was they locked it. And that, too, because that was Derek Sanders' voice, he noticed it was locked. And that's where his eyes went to. That's a good point. This was not, based on the video that I saw, because it was kind of like at a construction site of some kind, a project was clearly going on. But I'm pretty sure there was no one else there. And so for them to see this, and I imagine the canine unit was probably like, I smell something. I smell something. And then they were able to put it all together but i would have just i would have started to shake it a little bit (laughs) and just say hey i'm ready there's someone else here we're gonna tip this over i guarantee you they'd be out in three seconds guarantee just seems like a very scooby-doo way to hide it very i mean it very much is so now this 18 year old adult he's the one who's been charged he faces auto theft hit and run eluding police and then five counts of reckless endangerment that's one count for each of the passengers who, again, were all minors. And yet, somehow, the suspect was released from jail without bail, simply on a promise that he's going to return to court next week and face the charges. All thanks to a Thurston County Superior Court Judge, Allison Zip. We said on this show that we are going to start to call out the judges who make, in our view, boneheaded decisions, dangerous decisions. And to me, this is pretty clearly a dangerous decision. And over at King 5, they got a hold of the charging documents as well as the court paperwork. And in the court paperwork, the the judge in this case acknowledges, quote, there exists a substantial danger that the defendant will commit a violent crime. And yet again, we should note the judge, Allison Zip, decided to release this guy on his own personal recognizance. Please, please show back up. Show up again. We're expecting you bright and early. Bring a tie. Don't come walking into the courtroom looking like a slob like Max every other day. You better be wearing a tie. That's not fair. I look nice today. You're all right today. Not wearing a tie. And obviously the sheriff talking with King Five, 
He's disgusted by this. In my opinion, right, it is not excessive. It is not unreasonable to require some bail, um, to require that some person who doesn't live here, who's committed a crime that is escaping in nature, be required to post, to post some sort of bail. That's that's not excessive to me. And by the way, they only asked for $10,000 bail. So he would have only had to put up $1,000. And, you know, and I learned this from talking to a lot of people within the industry. I gave a speech at the sort of the, the national group that represents bail agents. And th- they made really good points of they would hear from people who were family members of the suspects who had to post bail. And usually the suspect has to lean on a parent or a close relative or sometimes uh, a friend to get the money to post their bail so that they can be released from jail. And they started to the these bail agents heard a theme of thank you for doing this. It gave him essentially the suspect a support system. You've got the bad guy who now is out on bail, doesn't necessarily want to cost his mom, you know, her home if she had to put up her home just to get the the payment for the the bail amount in certain circumstances where it's more expensive. And you want to make sure that you're not hurting the people who are there for you. And the majority of the time, we're not talking about truly evil people. We're talking about criminals. We're talking about boneheads. But we're not talking about evil people who don't care about the people around them, their family members who put up the money. And it gives them that support system that they 100% will need at some point, either after they leave jail or if they ultimately don't have to spend any time in jail. Charges get dropped. In order to keep that person on the right path, you need that support system. And the bail system forces a support system to come around these individuals, and it helps them. Now, according to Washington state rules, and whenever any, and I mean any media outlet, tells you that it requires a presumption that the defendant be released without posting bail, and that's it. They kind of just leave it there. They're not telling you the entire law. Because under the law in Washington state, that sentence I just read is 100% true. Unless the court believes that the suspect is a risk, a risk to the public, a risk of committing a future violent crime. If they reasonably believe that the person's not going to come back to court or if it will interfere with the administration of justice. I don't know what that one means, but the first two are pretty obvious. And if you've got a judge here who says, acknowledges, yeah, this person's a risk of committing a violent crime. It makes no sense that the judge provides no bail. And of course, they don't give any comments. Well, we're not allowed to comment on pending issues before the court. Yeah, but even when the issue is gone and over with, you never comment. They get away with this. They never have to answer to the public. And let's be clear, what they're doing makes our lives more dangerous. When you release someone who is allegedly a bad person who could potentially commit another violent act, you are putting our safety at risk. And you should have to answer some basic questions at some point about why you decided to do that. Maybe you have an amazing reason 
one that we're not seeing. Okay, I'm open to that. I don't know what it could be, but maybe there's a totally legitimate reason. 100% legitimate that we're just not thinking of. Okay, tell us. I'd love to know. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? Crime. This Is this true? This story is fake news. No, I don't think it's fake. No. A, a Kia that was stolen was driven into the storefront of a pot shop in Lake City? Uh-huh. Yeah. Real headline. Wait, is this a story we did the other day? Um, mm-mm, new one. No, but this one sounds at least like the one we did a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's similar in nature, yes, but... It's not the same one. Not the same, different. Okay. Oh, this happened but this morning. Might be the same car or possibly the same yeah. suspects. Different incident. Not going to be the same suspects. Who knows? <laughs> There's no way it's the same suspect. Because everyone, is. this is the cool new thing that the kids are doing. Which are stealing Kias or Hyundais. It's mostly Kias. I know they say Hyundai a lot, but or Hyundai. Well, Hyundai's are a little nicer. Yeah, but they, maybe they steal that and they keep that one. The Kias they they run through. This time it happened at Urban Elements. That's ha ha. That's yeah. It's herb. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It happened around three forty seven a.m. By the way, news media, you don't have to say around three forty seven. That's a very specific time. You can say around 3.45. That, that's fair, right? It's, it was about 3.40. If it's 3.47, that's a I, very specific time. I think the word they want is approximately. But it's, it's not. It's not approximate. It's exact. Well, yeah, but they it's don't. It's a time stamp I think on they're the surveillance. Saying that they don't, well, yeah. It's on the surveillance. You know what time it is. <laughs> So it, it caught this Kia ramming through the storefront a whole bunch of times. Then three thieves get out of the car. They go in. One person is there in a separate car, the getaway car, because you leave the stolen vehicle. And they ended up stealing, according to Como, who spoke with the manager there, I guess, quote, two bags worth of various products. And that could mean anything from weed or the paraphernalia that goes along. Bongs, I guess. <sighs> Why is this happening? We all know. Do I have to do the spiel again? Yeah, go for it. Okay, fine. It is happening because we tell the bad guys we will not chase. The law on the books remains that if it is a nonviolent crime, you cannot pursue as an officer. And so all they have to do is get out of the way, drive off. Before the cops get there, that's literally all they have to do to ensure that they will not be followed. And because so many police departments in the state are understaffed, it makes it very difficult for detectives to find out who these people are. It takes a very long time. And ultimately, they hopefully will get caught. But how many crimes do they commit between the first crime, which probably wasn't even the first crime, and when you catch them? This is happening all over the place. In fact, brings us to what else is trending. What's trending in Pierce County? Yet another incident of gun violence hitting youth, this time in Parkland at a bus stop. Two victims are now deceased, apparently both teenagers. Joining me on the line is Eva. She's actually someone who witnessed it all go down. Eva, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you. So obviously you didn't want to uh, have to witness something so traumatic. What happened? 
So what happened was I took two of the kids this morning to go to the ATM. We were on our way back, and uh, because of the construction, we were forced to take a different uh, road that I normally don't go down, mm-hmm. which is 112th, and that is where the bus stop was at, where this all happened. Um, so as we were coming down the road, there's two guys at a bus stop, and there's a guy in front of them with, like, his front wheel up on the curb. Mm-hmm. My first instinct was, like, this homeless person better leave these kids alone, you know, because, like, there's a lot of bums that are always transient through here, stealing people's cars, taking stuff out of people's yards. So, um, literally, as we are driving right past these guys, I see the guy that is in front of the bus stop in front of these two people pull out a gun and start shooting at the guy that was, if you were facing the bus stop on the left side, uh, about four shots popped off and I screamed at the kids and I told them to get down. We took the immediate left on 12th Avenue, right off of one fall. There's like a little mini Mart right there. Um, I don't think that anybody even was around at the time until the shots popped off. People started to come out and, you know, were inquisitive of what was going on. And, uh, yeah, I called 911, like, right away. I told I told Siri to call 911, told the kids to get down, and we parked about two blocks away from them and uh, just to make sure that nobody was coming yeah. after us. And I was talking to the cops about, like, what just happened. So not something you expect to do while just heading back home. How old were, the? generally speaking, how old do you think they were? If I could be honest, everything happened so quickly. They looked young to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, The guy that was on the bike looked older. He looked kind of... If you would see someone that was on a bike, your first instincts are to say, like, homeless. Because that's what you typically see riding on a bike around here. Mm-hmm. Um, not more or less, you know, bikers or whatever. Uh, they looked young. They didn't, they, I mean, it, maybe in their 30s. And you didn't get a sense as to why this happened. You couldn't tell. No. Honestly, when you seen the guy on the bike in front of them, because he was the one that I, I, and they say that the other victim that he shot at had a gun in his yep. hand when he laid face, when they found him face down. So I think that that guy was trying to defend himself, but the guy on the bike pulled out a gun way faster than he did. And yeah. Well, let's hear real quickly from Pierce County Sergeant Darren Moss. We do have some surveillance footage we were able to find, and we could see uh, from all that information that both victims had pulled guns and, and shot at each other. So they shot at each other. Just so um, I have, have this under, understanding, because uh, obviously when you're seeing something from your angle, it might not be what actually happened. You know what I mean? So when you hear that right. is from surveillance, how do you square that with what you saw? Well, honestly, I don't think that the guy inside of the bus stop had a chance to shoot back. And I feel like where we were in position to the bus stop, that that guy did not shoot back. I think it was only the guy that was on the bike that shot at them. 
So guy on bike. They were, they, they were literally not even three feet away from yeah. each other. Yeah, and it's possible that maybe, and again, I obviously don't have the benefit of seeing the surveillance, but it's possible that they pulled out a weapon to protect themselves but right. wasn't yeah. able to fire off a shot. So how quickly before cops arrived? Oh, gosh, they were there super quick. I think I was not even on the phone for a minute before all the cops started coming. Because uh, while I was on the phone with the police, they said that they had other calls on the same matter. Mm-hmm. How did you connect with the cops? I called. I told Siri to call. No, I, no, I mean, sorry, Siri in, in person, once you're there, obviously you were a witness. It's my understanding you gave a, a statement today. Correct. Yeah, I did a written statement and then I just got back from the police station as well to do a physical in person. How was that experience? Uh, Stressful. I'm still shaking. My stomach's upset. This is just I don't know. It's it's a lot like this is not the first time that this has happened. What else has happened that you witnessed? Um, well, we were actually involved uh, on Amesworth with an aggressor that was driving a Chevy Avalanche, which we had called the cops on and pulled up next to us while we were driving down the road and pretended to shoot at us outside of the outside of his car, like at us while in oncoming traffic. So, God. yeah, okay. there's it's just it's crazy out here. Yeah, how have things changed in the area? You're, you don't live in Lake or Parkland. You, you live in Lakewood, but generally in that area and Pierce County as a whole, how have things changed? Uh, well, I went to school in Tacoma, right next to the Tacoma Police Department, and um, yeah, I was pretty much forced to carry my own gun concealed because there was two girls that had gotten snatched up from my school late at night. Um, they flashed one of my friend's tires, uh, trying to kidnap her. Um, bums have tried to come popping out of the garbage cans behind our school. Uh, yeah, it it was enough to make me carry conceal. So, yeah. Have you thought about moving? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we sold our house in Des Moines, and we're just here right now renting because the prices for houses are just astronomical for what you get yeah and unfortunately the place that you can afford is a place that's dealing with a lot of crime yep absolutely do you get the sense that local leaders are taking this seriously um this situation well just the general crime that you're experiencing because obviously the police take it all seriously and that's expected but do you think your local Mm -hmm. leaders when it comes to you know lawmakers Oh, you mean like Jay Inslee or people like that? More local because we know that we already I already know the answer on the Jay Inslee thing. He's not paying attention nor yeah. does he really care. <laughs> but if you look at your leaders in Pierce County, do you get the sense that they take this seriously? No, no, not at all. Well, I think that it's forced people to carry their own personal protection. And as a woman, I never, ever, ever seen touched or wanted to be around a gun and now i carry one on me at all times and it does not leave my hip yeah a lot of people are making that decision and it's the right one Mm -hmm. for people so long as you're being obviously responsible with it and it certainly seems like you're the type who's responsible uh with firearms eva i'm sorry you had to witness this um I, i appreciate you telling us 
what what you saw happen and we wish you and your family the best of luck moving forward yeah absolutely scary no kidding you're listening to the jason rant show h.com Young, Tacoma, Bremerton, Bothell. This is the Big Local on the Jason Ranch Show. Redmond, Sumner, Kent. Stories about you, not about Seattle. Hey, look at that, 4.30 on a weekday afternoon. That means it's time for the Big Local. Brought to you by Alpine Specialty Services, online at alpineclean.com. It's a part of the show where we completely ignore stories coming out of Seattle and instead focus our attention on the communities you live in and care about most. We start in Tacoma where a listeria outbreak, apparently linked to milkshakes, killed three people and hospitalized six. Five from Pierce County, one from Thurston County. And that's just what we know of so far. Because apparently people who have listeria can be sick up to 70 days after the exposure. Now, this potentially ended on August 8th because that's when they stopped over at a restaurant, Frugal's. That's when they stopped using a specific milkshake machine. Apparently, this according to the Washington State Department of Health, they were able to do genetic fingerprinting and found that the listeria came from an ice cream milkshake machine that hadn't been cleaned the right way. And as a result, people ended up getting sick. And now there's a lawsuit, rightly so. Como's reporting that food safety lawyer Bill Marler represents the family of Charles Robertson. This was a guy who lived with his wife in Yelm. And according to this lawyer, Charles was someone who ended up dying as a direct result of the listeria. He suffered from neck and arm numbness, as well as some other pain after he had a milkshake at Frugal's. And so they're suing for wrongful death. It was filed in Pierce County Court yesterday. And the argument is pretty simple. You were negligent in manufacturing, distributing, and selling these milkshakes. And it led to a man's death. A, a really sad situation. You know, husband and wife married for 45 years. Uh, they, you know, he eats a frugal shake and becomes ill. You know, you can't undo a death. But what you can do is, you know, make everything transparent so we can learn from this unfortunate incident uh, to hopefully convince people to, you know, do a better job at cleaning their equipment. Now, Listeria apparently can lead to the kind of symptoms that when you have them, you would not immediately think is anything all that serious. Headache, okay, muscle ache, neck ache. That could be symptoms of the flu or COVID. I mean, so for them, the whole point is, did you eat a frugals, right? I mean, that's really what we're talking about here. And if you did, between the uh, May 29th to August 7th timeframe, they're saying just be hyper vigilant if you feel sick immediately go to your doctor or go to the emergency room because you can get some either a blood test or 
It was like spinal fluid thing. Eh, I'm not doing that one. Thank God I don't go to Frugal's. When was the last time you went to Frugal's? Uh, can't say I've ever been right? or will want to go in the future. Well, see, you're a little bit different than our friend Wayne, who spoke with Como TV. Sometimes we have our hiccups in life, and yeah. uh, we have our speed bumps, but I say just keep on rolling through Frugal's. Yeah, you know every single day something happens at some point in one's life, and uh, yeah, you know it's not the best. Every, every, you know, bad things happen to good people sometimes. And uh, actually, sometimes bad things happen to bad people. I'm not saying either way if any of these people are bad, but you know what happens. Now give me a shake. Yeah, I, I agree with his overall sentiment, but yeah, I don't know if I'd be uh, drinking those frugal shakes. So, look, I also understand where he's coming from. I would posit to you this. It's a ridiculous position to take so close to the story of Listeria. Now, if you were to come at this guy six months from now, after all of this has been cleared up, it's all been settled. Would he take the same position then? Would we have the reaction that we had? Probably not. I'd be like, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Everyone's a little bit different. For me, I cannot get this out of my mind, and so I would always wonder. Uh, I also am self-loathing, so I might have one just to test it all out, and I knew it would make a good story. And so it would, you know, I would do a blog about it, then I would talk about it here, then go on on Hannity and talk about it. But I don't think I would ever go back. Like, period. If you're telling me one specific restaurant was tied to an outbreak that killed people, I'm out. I'm never going back. Is that fair? Yes, actually. I, I do think, think that's it's fair. legitimately fair. I think that's a pretty solid reason to boycott a place. I do feel bad for Frugals because, on the one hand, we shouldn't because. Hey, dummies, clean your milkshake machine the right way. I did not realize there was a right way to clean a milkshake machine, but apparently there is. I would just hose it down. But on the other hand, they obviously didn't mean to do this. This wasn't intentional. And yeah, sometimes you make a mistake. And I imagine that at restaurants, mistakes happen all the time. They just were lucky that they don't lead to any serious health impacts, right? I mean... Someone who washes their hands for 10 seconds instead of 30 seconds, right? Things like that where there's still some bacteria on their hands and they're now touching your food. Like, yeah, no, one, so wants, yeah, no one wants to think it because we would never go out to a restaurant. But it likely happens all the time. And usually no one's the wiser. Sometimes you get listeria and it could lead to something obviously as serious as death. Now, here's a perfect example of how bad things are in Washington State. A couple escaped the Gray Fire near Spokane. This fire is destroying homes. So far, at least 185 homes have been destroyed. Ryan Hahn and his partner, Leanne, they saw the fire coming. It was getting awfully close. They were freaked out. So they go into their home. They take everything that they can possibly take, all the important stuff. They put it in their car, and they drive off. Yeah, when we seen the truck and the flames, we're, we pretty much thought it was, we were going to lose everything. Well, they still kind of almost lost everything. You see, speaking to King 5, Ryan says the home 
luckily was spared. Didn't actually get hit with the fire. But he went to his truck the following morning and he realized everything had just been stolen. I woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning to come down and get a charger for my phone. And yeah. seen, as I'm walking up, I seen glass from underneath the truck. And I knew <gasps> that the truck got broken too. Then when we got closer, we realized everything was gone. This is such a maddening story, right? Because we get, again, I'm not shocked by it because we've heard stories like this, maybe not directly tied to escaping a fire, but we've heard exactly the the same children's hospital one. Same Uh, thing. My my kid's sick. Uh, I had to go to, from wherever that small city was, Ford, Washington, right? Was it Ford? Population 62. (laughs) And they went over to Seattle Children's. She parks, the mom parks in. Uh, the parking lot only to have her car stolen. Like these stories happen all the time. And obviously it's going to sting a little bit more when legitimately good people or all people who are already victims end up getting re-victimized. Now, again, the good bit of news in this, I suppose the glass half full approach is that the house was fine. So obviously they didn't, they didn't lose all of their belongings, but Leanne made a really good point to King Five, or had a, you know, a, a, a simple request. Did it ever cross your guys' mind that, you know, other people other than you are going through something too? No, that's the problem. That is 100% the problem. They don't care. They don't think about it. And even if they did, even if there was this fleeting moment where they said, I wonder whose car we're breaking into in life that we're hurting significantly it goes away in a moment they do not care the people who do things like this are driven primarily by two things number one an addiction they're addicts they're stealing so they can sell it on the black market use the cash for drugs or number two they're just petty criminals and they know they're not going to get caught or if they do get caught they know they're not going to be punished and so they just decide to ruin someone's day or life and they don't think even a little bit about the impact that it has on other people because they're truly selfish bad people and these are folks generally speaking not always but generally coming from broken homes they were not taught what's right and wrong and sometimes you have to be very direct son it's not right to steal from a couple that just fled a fire you got it yeah sometimes you literally have to be like that and you have to have those positive influences in your life that reinforce all of those principles those values every single day both in practice and quite literally telling them over and over and over again that's how kids learn and that's how kids develop but when they don't have that they become degenerate adults who end up pulling a stunt like this. It's pretty disgusting. Now, finally, only because it did kind of remind me of a claim that I said I made a few weeks ago. Remember when the Humane Society out in Tacoma was all like, we have too many animals. We're giving them away for free. Come one, come all. We'll hand you over a pug. And I said, that's not a good move. I know that you're struggling for space because you have so many animals, but likely the dogs were returned to you Because people got them during COVID and now they have to go back to the office and they realize they can't take care of the dog. Seems rather foolish 
to just sort of give them away. Here's the title. Pierce County Humane Society calling for donations after taking in 40 animals in urgent need. Now, not quite connected the way that I thought, but I thought it was an interesting story. Nevertheless, Cairo 7 TV says that over a two-day period last week, the facility took in 40 animals with serious health problems, including a five-year-old pit bull named Libby who's got a tumor on her shoulder. Shortly after she was brought in, Animal Control brought in another 21 animals, two parakeets, five geckos, a bearded dragon, eight snakes, four rabbits, and one kitten. And apparently they're all in need of some kind of medical intervention. I'm just going to say it. And I'm going to get in trouble. I don't care if the snakes die. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know that that's maybe a bad thing to say, but we're all thinking it. You don't care about the gecko. Let's be honest. I was not sure where you were going with that. Am I wrong? No. People who want to be honest, I'm not, I'm not proud of having that thought. But honestly, the first thing I thought was, I mean, I'll give you money for Libby, the pit bull with the tumor. I'm not giving you money to, you know, treat psoriasis on the snake. Uh, the snake can deal with the psoriasis or just throw it in the yard and let like I just I don't have that kind of connection. And again, I acknowledge that maybe I'm a bad person for that. I'm kind of on the fence about the rabbits. No, actually, I'm not. You can give them to the snakes. Maybe they're just hungry. 1-800-465-8770. Send me your text messages because on the next segment, you pick the news. Story number one, a cop who was critically wounded by a hammer-wielding animal is now getting the union speaking out on her behalf. Or story number two, well-to-do California residents loudly boo an official at a council meeting over a proposal to house the homeless. NIMBYs, or do they have a point? Text the story I should cover. 1-800-465-8770. You're listening to The Jason Ranch Show. You pick the topic on The Jason Ranch Show. Indeed you do. And you went with the story of a cop who was seriously wounded by a hammer-wielding animal. The union is now speaking up. This is a pretty disturbing video. I did this on Fox News last week when it initially came out. Happened in Connecticut. And there's an officer who is responding to a 911 call when she gets ambushed by a dude named Winston Tate. Ambushed by him with a hammer. And he starts going after her slowly. And then all of a sudden, he sprints. He just sprints her way and starts attacking her. Can you put that down, please? What? Can you put that down, please? No! Call your f***ing up, come up. Stop! Stop! So it's intense, like it's really intense. And I was uncomfortable 
even talking about it because the video was going in the background. It, it is a horrible story. But because he is a criminal in a post-BLM world, we know that this story is going to become something a little bit more. In fact, he was out on probation for assaulting another officer and had at least 30 priors, including a third attack on a police officer. He had 14 convictions within the past six years. How in the world is someone like this out of jail at all? Seriously. This is outrageous. This is absolutely outrageous. And so now the local police union president, his name is Nick Poro. He spoke with Fox News and he said that this attack was, quote, tangible proof of the problem that there is. And that it shouldn't take a female officer almost being murdered on national TV to fix a guy like this who had who has 30 prior arrests, who has attacked officers. He should never have been out Again, he has proven that he is not a functioning member of society and he deserves to be locked up in a cage like the animal he is. How many of these stories have we covered? And of course, again, this is Connecticut. It's not just happening in Washington state. Thanks to the BLM movement and this push for so-called criminal justice reform. The system now favors the criminals, the suspects, not the victims, and doesn't take into account what would happen to future victims if you release a suspect or a criminal, go easy on them, especially when they've proven over and over and over and over again some more that they're not going to change. We're told that the criminal justice system is inherently racist. That it needs to be dismantled and rebuilt. Well, guess what? Over the course of the last two years, two and a half years, in some cases laying the groundwork a decade or so ago, Democrats, radical leftists, have been dismantling our criminal justice system and implementing their reforms. Looking at it through a social justice lens or a CRT lens where it's obsessed on identity through an abolitionist lens, which is why we keep getting criminals who should be in jail released either too early or inappropriately released without any bail over and over and over again. This is a big part of the reason why I wrote my book, What's Killing America. I wrote that book because of all of the activism that's been going on because we have ceded all of this power to a small group of radicals who have fundamentally changed our institutions. Depending on where it is you live, it might be a little bit different in how successful they've been or how quickly some have identified the problem and at least tried to walk some of it back. But it's way worse than people realize. Way worse. And I have nearly 400 pages of information on how bad it truly is. And it's not just about crime. These are folks who want to tell you on what kind of stove to cook. 
These are the people who want to tell you how to get from your home to your office. They don't want you in a car. They have implemented so many changes. And people oftentimes don't realize it until it's too late. Or they find out about it because of a story like this. That's how bad it is. Which is why I do hope you will pre-order on Amazon What's Killing America, the hard copy. I get paid more for that. And I'm already a top release on Kindle. I'd like to be a top release on hardcover. So head on over to Amazon, purchase What's Killing America inside the radical left's tragic destruction of our cities. Stories like this, it's exactly why I wrote this book. 1-800-465-8770 for your text messages. In the next hour, we will tackle... (laughs) A guy brings his car to the mechanic. You will be shocked to find out what happened next. 